And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys had a fantastic weekend. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by my brother, Ian Hayworth. Always a great time talking to Ian. Um, and we, we covered a lot. I, we, we talked about Ukraine and how um, just about everyone's reaction uh, to the Russia-Ukraine war has been crazy. Um, we talked about corporate media attempting to get the COVID ban back together. Um, and yeah, we covered a lot. I think you guys will enjoy it. Before I get to Ian, uh, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. Uh, if you are an iTunes user, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review. I really appreciate that. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right. Without further ado, the great Ian Hayworth. All right, guys, we're here with my friend Ian Hayworth. Ian, how you been, man? How's it going? Just uh, enjoying the last few days until World War Three. So just trying to make make the best of every moment. Just biding our time, my friend. It's uh, any day now. Um, before we get to World War Three, obviously, you know, uh, Russia and Ukraine is, is the main thing we need to discuss today. But Tom Brady, I mean, my goodness. I mean, I've never had gonorrhea, but I... <laughs> I, I, I that you know of, that yeah, you know of, that I know of, but like you just can't get rid of this guy, man. I was really looking forward to turning on a football game and not seeing Tom Brady. Well, he is too competitive to go out on a loss. I think he'll keep playing until he wins another Super Bowl. If that means playing until he's sixty, then it'll be playing until he's sixty. I, I don't have the same hatred for Brady that you do. I'm kind of ambivalent, so I do enjoy just the rage it causes you and others. So I'm kind of welcoming the news. It's kind of funny to me. Like this, just incredibly increasingly older man who's refusing to let go he's just literally old steve rogers from avengers endgame just <laughs> no i don't think i will retire just 75 years old Ugh. oh my goodness well i mean at least big ben gets to go in the hall of fame without being overshadowed by tom brady so i guess there's a silver lining there yeah you deserve a win as a stealer i mean it's slim pickings out there so take what you can get well, and, you know, you're a Packers fan, so I'm sure you're stoked that uh, Aaron Rodgers is back. I know. I, I didn't really see that coming, honestly. I was fully expecting him to leave. So to see him stay and uh, Devontae Adams stay, that's pretty wonderful. I'm looking forward to another disappointing um, NFC conference loss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> looking forward to 13-3 and three and then just inexplicably losing in the in the conference final. You know, just a, a tale as old as time. Really, really shitty special teams again. Yeah. So... I, we should probably get to what's going on in Europe right now. I, look, over the last couple of years, Ian, COVID taught me that the American people are not nearly as bright as I thought they were. And the Russia-Ukraine war has done absolutely nothing to restore my confidence in the intellect of our, our countrymen. Um, it's like people, they, they're separating themselves into these two camps. And one camp, they are just bent on dying in a nuclear holocaust. And then the other side, you know, a lot of my, like, you know, fellow anti-war people are so resistant to like any kind of corporate narrative that they're literally just denying reality. I mean, they're just call they'll just call BS on everything. Everything's a, a, a false flag. And then, you know, the other side legitimately wants to risk 
the entire human race to go to nuclear war with Russia. So it's like, man, like I, I it's two groups of completely unhinged people screaming and yelling mm-hmm. at each other. It's just unhinged people who've really lost sight of what foreign policy really means, which is just a very, very simple and very, very delicate system where you've got people vying for control of, of territory. That's really all it is. And what frustrates me is the way everyone acts as if, as Americans, things just happen. Like, we're just here looking at the world, like we're watching TV. Someone like Putin goes and does something, and then suddenly we must react. And what they never seem to learn is that this is where elections really matter. Elections have consequences in that prevention is the biggest weapon we have. And someone like Biden opened the door to this and is now acting as if, oh, how did this happen to me? And meanwhile, everyone's just arguing over whether or not we should, as you say, go to nuclear war, just shut the door and ignore the absolute travesty of immorality that's going on in Eastern Europe right now and trying to find that delicate balance of what we can do without kicking off war. It's everything is binary, though. It's like either you're unquestionably pro-Ukraine or you're unquestionably pro-Russia. And some of the conservatives coming out with pro-Putin stuff are like, well, I'm going to wait and see if, you know, Putin hasn't had his, his time in court. I don't really know whether he's telling the truth or not. It's like Putin is a horrendously evil man. And the idea that we should be taking anything he's saying seriously, I think like the, the bio lab stuff is a good example of that, where Russia are pushing out propaganda that we are going to launch a biological war through Ukraine. And that's obviously going to set the precedent for them launching their own biological war. This is classic Russian strategy right here. And the way some people are just swallowing it is pretty worrying. But as you said, in line with the COVID stuff, we saw just people will go along with anything if you make them crazy enough. Yeah. And you're right that this this isn't... I mean, this conflict in Ukraine isn't all that complicated. I mean, Putin is an evil autocrat. I mean, he's essentially like a, an old-school pre-World War One Russian czar waging a war of conquest, which is what Russian czars have been doing for literally thousands of years. And Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, is, you know, trying to save his country, obviously, and, and he's thinking only of Ukraine, which is what any mm-hmm. world leader would do in his position. Um, but he's, you know, incentivized to try to get the U.S. involved and to start obviously, World obviously. War III. Because if World War III happens, his, his, you know, the likelihood of Ukraine surviving increases. So, I mean, like, Putin's evil. I don't know why anybody would dispute that. Also, Zelensky's interests are not our interests for obvious reasons. It, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean he's a a, a Jewish Nazi like like some <laughs> pro-Russian people are saying. Like, I, I don't I don't know why we can't talk about these things like adults. I mean, like there isn't like you said, like it's not this binary choice. Well, it's the problem with looking everything through the lens of globalism, where every country has the same interests. And I think you hit the nail on the head and that, of course, Ukraine want the U.S. involved because Ukraine is likely going to lose. I remember in the early days of the conflict where Russia weren't making the progress they expected to make. And everyone was saying, oh, Ukraine are going to win. It's going to be humiliating for the Russian army. Like, if you read anything about Russian military strategy, they don't really care. They have more time and they have more people than most other countries do. They don't really care about losses or equipment or weather or lack of food, or how miserable they are. If you read any Russian literature, that's what their entire culture is based on. And so the way people were like celebrating this almost virtue signaling win, watching CNN on their couch of, oh, Ukraine are winning after a few days. So give it a few more months, Ukraine is going to lose to Russia. It's almost inevitable if no one else gets involved. And so of course, Zelensky is going to be calling for NATO to help, for the US to help, because without that, it's, it's only a matter of time, unfortunately, until I think they collapse. But then also people are looking like everyone should be in NATO. I think 
anyone should join NATO if they provide a strategic advantage to NATO, because otherwise it's just like a one way gang where the US is expected to protect more and more and more countries with no benefit to them. Like if every single country in the world <laughs> joins NATO somehow, that's not going to benefit the United States and the other Western European nations like the early NATO agreement did. And so I think we just need to return to this understanding that countries are different. Countries have different motivations. And it is the job of the leaders of that country to promote, first and foremost, the values and the desires of that country over all else, which explains what Zelensky is doing. It explains what uh, Putin is doing. And to some extent, it explains what Biden is doing, because to his credit, he is not going full out war with, with Russia, which is at least something. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right that people are, are kind of blinded to realities of the world and of war by globalism and by global trade. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm obviously a free market absolutist. I'm all about trade. But, you know, like we are, especially in America, I think we are just fooled into this like false sense of security where it's like, well, we're all all these countries are getting rich off of each other. Everybody's trading. Mm -hmm. We're trading with Russia. We're trading with China. You know, this was Nixon's thought when he opened China, you know, that bringing a little capitalism to their society would turn them into capitalists. And, you know, that's just not true. I mean, like, you know, motivations in war are complicated and, uh, you know, nationalistic. I mean, look, guys, like nobody was happier that the Japanese Empire hit Pearl Harbor than Churchill for obvious reasons. I mean, like, it's just what's good for one country isn't necessarily what's good for another. And I, I don't know why. I, I think it's easy for capitalists like us to kind of lose sight of that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, pe people like the Ukrainians and the Russians, they don't, they, they've been at war for, for thousands of years. Like, they're not going to lose. Vladimir Putin does not care, um, what, you know, how, how many goods are crossing uh, international borders. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't buy into the, you know, if, if goods cross borders, armies don't. He's like, that, that's not a thought that Russian oligarchs have, that, that Russian czars have, for instance. I think we just, I don't know, we, we for some reason thought that, after World War II, that, you know, traditional war was over. And that, you know, we, the only thing mm -hmm. that would happen from now on would be these proxy wars, be it Korea or Vietnam, stuff like that. It's just not true, man. What we're seeing in Ukraine now is is the historical norm. You know, it's really yeah. not out of the ordinary f for that part of the world. Well, I, I think that's the exact point is that, sorry, I, I cut out for a moment there. Um, in terms of the historical norm, I think we've been lulled into a very full sense of security by a very short blip of the a kind of fake layer of peace, because for the West, at least, we've had this layer of peace, which, of course, we've had multiple wars in the in the 20th century after World War Two. So it's not like we've just been experiencing worldwide peace. But in Europe, there's been peace. But that's only been at the expense of a, a growing empire, which has been effectively the European Union that has just given Germany and other countries what they want, which is to some level economic dominance of the continent. And so, like, yes, we haven't had war, but we've given up things for it. But the rest of the world has just kept on going as it did before. And the idea that every other country looks at things like the West does is just absurd. Like the way Biden is talking about these sanctions as if not having a small percentage of oil money is going to affect Putin and his desire to take over territory. It's like everything is judged as if it was being done to us. Like, oh, my goodness, we might not be able to get certain types of technology from America. Oh, we might not be able to get these cars. Like they do not care. The vast majority of Russians support Putin wholeheartedly. They think that Ukraine is theirs and Putin is going to go take it because he thinks he can. There's a reason he attacked Ukraine in 2014 and then waited eight years for a Democrat to be in power again to attack. Like the fact people are blaming Trump is 
hilarious. But I think Trump had a on a very low level, had a very good understanding of foreign policy and that he understood it was just this constant dogfight for territory and that people were very simple in their desires. And then you get people like Biden, you get John Kerry, who still thinks this is about climate change. They look at things. <laughs> At such an overly ridiculously complex level as if everyone is in the West and everyone has the same fears. They don't. Like the reality of the world is that most people are violent. We are still cavemen. We just have much better sticks and much better caves. And I think the sooner we realize that, the sooner we'll be able to understand places like Iran, places like Russia, places like North Korea, and ultimately places like China too. Yeah, I mean, even with the European Union bringing you know peace for a while to Europe, to mainland Europe, I mean that happened before as well. I mean the yep. Holy Ro- the Holy Roman Empire brought peace to Central Europe for a couple hundred years, and then and then it all fell apart. Obviously, that, that you know that their demise came from the West with Napoleon, not the East with the Russians. But it's essentially the same story, right? You know, it's, you know insert Putin in, instead of Napoleon, and you get about the same concept. But um, you know, it's just funny, man. Like. Uh, we, we we were talking before we started recording here today that, you know, I, like I don't have any anything to add to the conversation on the war itself. You know what I mean? Like I don't I, I get that there's a lot of propaganda from both sides. I get there's a lot of people dying on both sides and I just pray for peace. You know, that's it's essentially my my position. I, I don't really have anything to add, but it's just the reaction from both sides is absolutely in, infuriating. And today everybody's mocking Elon Musk on Twitter. Um because he he first tweeted you know a bunch of times you know supporting Ukraine, and then he tweeted today the the NPC meme with the Ukraine flag and the gay flag and the trans flag and you know with the you know the, saying I support the current thing you know and everybody's like mm-hmm. oh look at this hypocrite look at this oh he's you know he's pro Putin and he's pro Ukraine you know what an idiot it's like no these these positions are not contradictory at all I mean you can be rooting for Ukraine against a foreign invasion by a communist country. And still point out the ridiculousness of of NPCs transitioning seamlessly between the worship of Anthony Fauci and the worship of President Zelensky. Okay, like pointing this out does not make you pro-Russia. You know, like these, there's no cognitive dissonance here. Yeah. Well, there's also just such a hilarious level of hypocrisy at every single stage. Like the people who are anti-Second Amendment and then cheering when the government. <laughs> in Ukraine hand citizens automatic <laughs> rifles to go and fight Russia. It's like, oh yeah, you know what? Why would you ever need an AR-15? It's like, well, look at your TV. Yeah. It's like the, the idea that things outside of the US are just so different to here. And this could this could happen here too. It's just the United States is very lucky in its geography. You know, they are bordered to the north by Canada, who are probably the least intimidating militarily in the world. They're yeah. run by Trudeau, who when he's not sticking on blackface is just going around the world sucking up to terrible people and then to the south you've got mexico that has a range of other problems that they would never in their right mind dream of invading so they're very very lucky in terms of geography it's been the united states great benefit in basically all world conflicts and other european nations don't have that uh, that level of safety and so when you've got people who are kind of sitting on their couch in relative safety saying like, oh why would you ever need a gun so well this is why because this could happen here it's just a little bit more unlikely but Humans are the same with the world over. And I think that said everything to me when I saw the same people who would were crying for weapons to be banned, cheering when they were handing rifles to to grandmas to go shoot Russians. It's like pick a lane. You can only pick one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the people, you know, wanting to send U.S. troops to, uh, you know, defend the Ukrainian border, I'm, I'm sure wants open borders here <laughs> they want open yeah, borders yeah. here in the united states Take a border you know? any border <laughs> yeah i mean it's like these people are literally against against the nation state itself 
and then they want war with Russia. It's like, it's absolutely crazy. And, you know, like, through all this, I keep coming back to the thought, like, other than the Ukrainians, obviously. And, you know, but is anybody in the West madder at Putin than Anthony Fauci? I mean, he had <laughs> he had a cushy gig going, tons of money, cable news hits every day, Democrats coast to coast, quite literally worshiping the guy. And now that there's a war going on, nobody cares. All it took to solve COVID was Putin. Yeah. I mean, what a guy. What a guy. Yep. It also shows just the the theater that is our media, where you can be so obsessed over a, a deadly pandemic that's sweeping the world. And then something real happens in that one country invades another country. And COVID is quite literally over. I haven't heard people mention COVID once. You know, you had a few people in the first early days of the war make some worries about, oh, look at them gathering without masks. And then reality really hit them in the face and no one is even thinking about COVID. The virus is still there in the way it was the day before Russia invaded. Like all of these things are still the same. Yeah. It's just everyone's forgotten, which just shows how absurd all of this was, is that we just need something to watch TV over. I, I, I said this early on in the war and that please try and remember these are real people on television. Like, yes, it's, it's obviously interesting just from an academic perspective to watch. But these are real people being bombed. These are real people being shot. These are real people running for their lives with nothing but a suitcase and their children and their pets. It's not another Netflix show. And it's almost like people were addicted to it as if it was like true crime. Yeah. And, and it's it's very sad to watch just all of it, the way people are almost looking for their next COVID. It's the next thing to be excited over, which which worries me a lot because that doesn't bode well for the future. I mean, what does it say? And I'm going to get back to COVID in a second, but like, what does it say about us just as, as a society or, or our generation that, you know, the last two years, I mean, dude, viruses killing people and armies killing people have been happening for thousands of years. I mean, these are like pandemics and land mm -hmm. wars in Europe have been just commonplace. I mean, these are things that happen constantly over all of modern history. And, like our generation just absolutely cannot handle it. I mean, it's it's like mm -hmm. we're they're, they're pretending like they're the first generation in history to deal with these things, and when in fact they're, they're every single generation has had their version of COVID and their version of Russia Ukraine. I mean, these are just basic human occurrences, and, and our our generation is just pathetic, man. Like look, like what look what we have done over COVID. Like look at the hysteria yeah. on both sides over Ukraine. I mean, it's like. These people, I don't know, it's like we're so fat and happy and rich and safe, typically, that we just cannot handle normal event, global events. Well, I think it's it's two things. I think it's one, it's a complete lack of understanding of world history. I think very few people understand basic world history and that what happened in World War II and why is Europe as it is as a consequence, things like that. They simply don't understand that countries are different. But I also think there's a real fear of accepting our own mora um, mortality. Yeah. And a lot of people now, religion has kind of gone by the wayside for a lot of people. And so people look at themselves as the center of the universe where their life is all that matters. The world will end when they die and the world began when they were born. And so when you look at things like that, it it creates what we're seeing now, which is a complete un lack of understanding of what the world is really like, of the dangers of life, of the fact that life comes with risks. And it just breeds weakness. And I think that's the kind of weakness we see in our elected officials. The fact that Biden before this whole handling of this situation was completely backwards, the way he basically invited Putin to do this, saying, oh, if it's just a minor incursion, we'll have to see what happens. We'll only sanction them after they actually invade, which means that they've actually done what they wanted to do anyway. 
It's just the kind of weakness that is a symptom of our society. And until we are strong as individuals, we can't expect better from our leaders. Yeah, I mean, I have to imagine if all of these events with COVID and and the war and everything, if they happened in like 1960, you know what I mean? When the, the World War II generation was still in charge, um, I don't think the reaction would have been like no. this. You know what I mean? It's just the baby boomers, man. The people born from the late 40s through the you know mid 60s, like they just haven't had to, except for Vietnam, you know, but they were young, very young for Vietnam. It's they just have not had to deal with stuff like this. You know, they've been so rich and so so safe that mm-hmm. they just don't know how to handle it. But on, on COVID, real quick, I, it's it is funny. There are some people, some journalists trying to. Uh, get a COVID reunion tour going. Um, uh, the CEO of Pfizer <laughs> said yesterday that everybody needs a, a fourth COVID shot. Um, I swear, it's like these guys, they don't they don't know that there's a war going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, 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 trying to, they're really trying to get the band back together too soon, I think. But um, he, he dropped this line, which was just wonderful. And this is an exact quote. Quote, it's not good against, and, and the, 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 English is the dude's second language. So, you know, take, take it with a grain of salt. But quote, it's not good against infections. But it doesn't last very long. And that reminds me of the guy who plays Newman. I don't even know his name. I just know him as Newman. In a Space Jam, where he tells Michael Jordan, he's like, I might be fat, but I'm slow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, so you're admitting that your vaccines just don't do anything? I mean, they're not good against infections, and they also don't last very long. So it's like, oh, and also get a fourth one. So I'm like, dude, look, what are we doing? Like, one, I, I think... Not a lot of people are paying attention. Obviously, you know, somebody needs to put an APB out on Anthony Fauci. We haven't seen him in a month. But, like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, hopefully people are tuning this stuff out. But, I mean, what do you make of everybody, you know, the, the corporate press now transitioning to you need a fourth shot. Also, the shots don't do anything. Yeah, it's just it's such a weird juxtaposition, isn't it? I'm, I'm not really surprised that the CEOs of these companies are saying this. Like, Pfizer has a set of motivations that aren't the same as people who should be running public policy. Like, Pfizer's job is to put out if you're looking at this in good faith, which I know this is a whole can of worms we could open, but let's just assume it's in good faith. They're trying to put out the product they have in a way that will be most effective. So yes, them saying you're going to need it as much as possible because it doesn't really work makes sense. The concern for me is that the way the media just go, oh, okay, yeah, a drug that we told everyone would be the solution isn't really the solution. It doesn't really work. You've got people who have a natural immunity, the vast majority of people. We just had a wave of Omicron where really the impact wasn't that bad. It was just like a very bad cold season. And the way people are just obsessed with continuing it, because at this, at this point, it's just paganism. Like you've yeah. prayed enough, you've sacrificed enough goats to this God that you've chosen. It's kind of embarrassing if you then admit the God doesn't exist. You know, you're sitting in a pile of, of goat corpses that you've just burned. You've really yeah. got to justify it. And so I think some people are just a little too deep in this fantasy. I think it's going to take almost a generation for that to go away because people do not like to admit they were wrong. Like I was wrong early on. I was very, I was very in uh, deep in the sort of California worry about it. I was wearing masks obsess- obsessively. I was washing things coming back from the grocery store. But my defense was that that was based on the information we had at the time, which is really not much information. But the fact that as a society and the people who claim to lead us don't change their position based on data is the most worrying thing we have right now is the fact that you can look at a set of information that change should drive you to change your mind and people go eh, i'm still gonna believe my thing that's just paganism that's pure paganism yeah i mean and this was on face the nation too i forget the the host's name margaret something anyway i forget her name but imagine being her 
and you're interviewing the CEO of Pfizer, and he just straight up says, yeah, these, these vaccines aren't doing much. And then she just nods along just <laughs> uncritically. Like, you, like you're not going to, like, hey, all right, hey, man, uh, you kind of spent, you know, a solid year saying the exact opposite. So why, why would you just, you know, pull a complete one? I mean, nothing. They just yeah. nod along uncritically. There's no, there's no curiosity. There's no like, really, like you, you have the the CEO of Pfizer right here, this billionaire. Like, you're, that's it. You're just not, you're not even gonna follow up. Like, oh my goodness. Like, what? Imagine claiming that you're a journalist. At, at well, especially, point. especially as journalists stereotypically hate big pharma. Yes. Like, how many stories have we seen in the past of of them destroying communities? You know, pushing pain oh, yeah. medicine. You'd think this would be the story to end all stories. The CEO of a major pharmaceutical company admitting that their world-changing vaccine doesn't really work that well. Like, they should be licking their lips at this. But they're stuck between a rock and a hard place of their own making in that they've created this hero worship of a vaccine. Not the people who make it or the, you know, that Trump was behind having it made. Just the idea of science, what science is and what a vaccine is, that they can't get out of it now. And it's... Yeah. I don't think they'll ever be able to without really destroying their own reputation, which, of course, is already destroyed, but not in their eyes. Right. So one more thing before I let you go, man. Um, I, I typically don't. I, I, And you know me, man. Like, I, I don't actually get angry very often at politics. You know, like, I just, I mean, that's the only reason why I can do this. And I'm sure you're the same way, Ian. Like, you just you can't work in politics if you are legitimately getting mad all the time. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you're gonna, like you're gonna blow your brains out. Like it's just not it, you can't. It's not healthy. It's not normal. Um, so I, I I try to see the humor and everything. And even when the the left's up to their their wicked games, <laughs> like they are so frequently, it usually doesn't bother me as much. Like on a like a personal level, I, I try not to get angry. But this last week. I've been finding myself getting much angrier than normal, and that's because the White House, they, they keep doubling and tripling down on their absolute disdain for the working class and mm-hmm. for, just for the American people generally. I mean, gas is five bucks a gallon. Inflation is wiping out people's savings accounts. And the reaction from this regime is to mock people and to tell them to buy a, a $75,000 Tesla and stop complaining about gas prices. I mean, and it's not just one of them. I mean, Biden said it, Jen Psaki, Pete Buttigieg, who's the secretary of transportation for some reason. They're, they're all saying it. And, man, I'm pretty sure Marie Antoinette wasn't this out of touch. <laughs> well, absolutely. <laughs> but it's the fact, again, that they're getting away with it. Like The class of journalism used to be working class, middle class people who came, you know, really, really fought to get to the truth and fought for reality. The problem yeah. is now is that the journalistic class are the same class of elites that are running the government. And so now they just defend each other. In the past, if you had someone out and kind of sneer at every normal person who's struggling to make ends meet right now because the economy is going down the toilet and just said, oh, just go buy, you know, a 50, 60, 70 thousand dollar electric car. You won't have to pay gas. Like I tweeted this out um, a week or so ago that they were they were boasting, I think, about six thousand seven hundred dollars savings over seven years in gas. That's savings. That's not how much you would spend on gas. That's how much you would you would save because electricity costs money, too. The way they're acting is if electricity comes for free out of a tap, you would have to spend, I think, 80 years to pay off the car with those savings. Like it is completely implausible, let alone the fact that they only run for about 100 miles um, with a full charge. If it's cold, that you don't have charging stations all over the United States, that people need more powerful vehicles for towing things and for carrying large items. Like it makes no sense. It makes sense if you have two hundred thousand dollar a year job and you live in a city and you drive maybe 10 miles every now and again. 
and you're someone like AOC, you can just lease a Tesla for fun. They are so out of touch with the reality of Americans that the way they think, oh, this is a solution. Who else couldn't afford this car? Because they've gone from very expensive school to well-paying job in urban areas. They do not understand the average American. And they're making it clear they are laughing in people's faces. And I think it's disgusting. I just hope that people remember this next time they go to the voting booth. There's no way that this doesn't kill them in November. I mean, you just can't. I, you knew, like, obviously, we on the right, we've been talking about how, you know, they were going to try to transition from COVID lockdowns to climate lockdowns. You know, they're mm-hmm. going to use, use, you know, high gas. We, I mean, we've been saying for years that they were going to try to use high gas prices, shut down domestic oil production to try to, you know, force the Green New Deal stuff, force people off of fossil fuels. But it's like, man, I, I get, I mean, we, we've talked, I'm sure you and I have said that. A couple years ago on this show, <laughs> this is what this is what they were going to do. But it's like still seeing them do it when this many people are suffering. Yes, it's still it's like I just I, 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 I've talked about and I've written about how the Democrats were going to do this. But still seeing them do it now is still shocking. And it, it shouldn't be. I, I shouldn't be surprised by anything that these degenerates are doing. But like just seeing people on, a, you know, not being able to afford food and gas and basic, you know, basic essentials and and they're still they're still doing this they're still mocking people and it's like man i just for some reason you'd still even knowing who these people are you mm-hmm. still expect them to show a little bit more humanity well i think the problem is that they have no understanding of what it is like to struggle i think very few of them yeah. have made it from anywhere that wasn't very comfortable their entire life and i think everyone is stephen colbert in that i can afford this therefore i don't really care right now clap and laugh for me. None of, them, none of them truly understand what it means to have a set budget and have, you know, say a couple of dollars spare. And then that couple of dollars get, gets eaten up and more by the price of gas or the price of food. Like I remember when, was it Dollar Tree? They, they announced they had to increase their price from a dollar to, I think, dollar twenty-five or a dollar fifty. And you had so many people on the left just mocking, like, what difference does 50 cents make? It's like, well, if you are on a, on a budget where you spend what you earn. Like they, they claim to care about people living paycheck to paycheck. Well, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, then 50 cents per item makes a huge fucking difference. Yeah. Like, sorry to curse, but it's just no, so, no. so upsetting. They have yeah. no empathy for the people they claim to support. You know, they claim to be voices for the downtrodden, for the poor. It's like, well, 50 cents is a lot if you have no money. Can they I... have zero empathy. It's disgusting. I have to imagine there's a lot of moderates. There's a lot of, you know, politically inactive people, you know, in, registered independents mm-hmm. who might not even vote in every election cycle. But if they're, if they're trying to, if they're taking a look at the modern American political landscape and you see that, you see Jennifer Granholm and Stephen Colbert and Joe Biden and Jen Psaki and Pete Buttigieg mocking you. I mean, I, I have to imagine there's a lot of Americans who are like, you know what, I don't really know. I don't know if the yeah. left or the right is right on taxes or on foreign policy or this and that, but I know I'm against that. Like, I know I am against whatever the heck Stephen Colbert just did and, and what Jennifer Granholm just did. Like, I don't know policy, but I know evil when I see it. And yes. I, I know mockery when I see it, and I am opposed to that. I have to imagine that there's just a lot of people who are going to—who may have even been sympathetic even to the climate stuff, the climate agenda. You know, people that are, are, are sympathetic to that kind of stuff that just see just the, the how much they, they, they hate you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just their their hatred for the working class is on full display right now. I, I just I can't imagine 
being one of those swing voters in Iowa or, or whatever, or Michigan, or Ohio, and, and voting for these people that just actively mock you and your way of life. Like, it's just yeah. disgusting, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, it comes to a point where, frankly, you have to have enough self-respect to not want to be mocked by the people who claim to be your betters. Like, no one is better than you. Everyone is of equal value. And the way there's almost this adoration of the political class where I, I honestly find it weird the way people stand up for the president. I find it really weird. Like, oh, show him some respect. Like when a journalist or a, another politician argues with him and they say, oh, showed such disgusting level of respect. He, he's there to do a job. Like he's not he's not royalty. He's not some kind of deity. He's just a guy that we've elected to do a job. And the fact that he is not doing that job and he and his team are just sneering at us all should make people a lot angrier than they are. 100 percent. 100 percent. And I think that I think the Democrats are going to be absolutely wiped out. Uh, in the in the midterms this year, I think uh, I, they have to. I mean, this is I, you cannot get away with this behavior. You know, I mean, they they deserve the same fate as the Labour Party in mm-hmm. in the UK. I mean, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if these people after November are just no longer, at least for the foreseeable future, just no longer a viable political party. Just the way Labour has become in, in the UK. I I just don't see how. I mean, they, they, they've circled the wagons on this, man, on the, the buy a Tesla stuff. I mean, it's it's not just the fringe. I mean, it's the entire the entire corporate press and the entire Democratic Party. They've really they've decided that this is their hill to die on. And yeah, I'm looking forward to watching them die on that hill. I'll be honest. I hope so. I hope so. Ian, my brother, thanks for doing this, man. We'll do it again soon. Uh, where can everybody follow you online, keep in touch, and all that good stuff? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, you can follow me on all social media, I-G-H-A-W-O-R-T-H. Yeah, please follow me there. Everybody follow Ian. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.